Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. say our scripture uh, scripture declaration together lord we honor your word to us may your truth become our heart's pursuit and our lives practice thank you lord we have a couple of very kind of out of the box things that we're going to be doing today i'm actually going to be doing a couple of interviews but i want to share with you guys a little bit just where we've been from last week, the church, what is it, what it isn't, and why it still matters. And I shared with you a little bit last week, this is kind of a mini-series, a very short time uh, that I want to share with you today, reviewing some, but also breaking some new ground. I appreciate Peter reading the scripture from Matthew chapter 5. As he read that passage of scripture, you may or may not know that that is from the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, that is a very, very important part of the teaching of Jesus. It is when Jesus is literally up on a mountainside and huge crowds come to him and he begins to teach. And so let's just begin to share uh, over the next couple of slides some things that we will learn and kind of put in context what we've just heard. When Christ left the earth, he told the disciples to wait until the Holy Spirit fell upon them and then to preach and teach about him in Jerusalem, eventually going to the ends of the earth. The Spirit fell on the disciples and on the others in the day of Pentecost, 50 days after that Passover when Jesus was crucified, and there is where the church was born. And so this is important that we understand that even before the church age was ushered in, Jesus was already teaching about the kingdom. He's teaching about the kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount and declaring things to be very different. He kind of said this and spoke about this over and over where he said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, but I will tell you instead, not just do you need to worry about that, but you should be forgiving, that you should uh, give away those things that uh, you do not want to give away to go that second or extra mile, and on and on and on down the list. It's three full chapters of red, if you have a red letter edition Bible, because he just speaks from his heart and pours into the people that are there to hear him speak and preach. And so let's go to our next slide. One other something to learn. I actually have three today. Christ's imagery in the Sermon on the Mount is still used today, even in settings that are not necessarily Christian. For example, we still say that people are the salt of the earth kind of people. How many of y'all have ever said that or at least heard that before, right? As Peter was reading that, you understand that's not something that is a modern thing. It's something that Christ spoke about, and it's just become part of our vernacular. You go even further, and you hear in the Sermon on the Mount, a city on a hill, 
former President George W. Bush and uh, George Bush Sr. spoke about that city on a hill and being a light for the world uh, when he was talking about the American dream uh, and, and what it meant and how we protected that. And so even in politicians, you know, sermons and uh, preachings and teachings that they have, they're not exactly Christian, but at the same time, they are meant to inspire and, uh, and draw people to a cause. And that is what is spoken about there. How many of you have ever heard, you need to turn the other cheek? Y'all have ever heard that or said that? Why? Because in this passage on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, I tell you, when somebody strikes you on the cheek, you turn the other one and give them that one as well. To make sure that you understand that you don't just forgive when it's easy or just that one-time event, but you make uh, forgiveness a pattern of your life and then even building a foundation on, uh, on sand rather than the solid rock. And so you've heard all of these different sayings even to this day, and they're all from the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what we are going to talk a little bit about, how he is speaking to his followers and he's saying to them, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, uh, when we hear that, and let's go to our next slide, when Christ calls his followers the light of the world, salt of the earth, he's telling us that as Christians, we are supposed to be impacting our world. We cannot live for self alone. If we do, our life is going to feel fractured and begin to show the signs of living in a way that goes against how we were designed by our creator. All right, so let me just slow down for just a quick second. It's true confession time around here, all right? So here's what we do around here. We do the true confession. It means there's no shame, there's no judgment. But how many of you guys know what a pair of pliers looks like? How many of you know what a hammer looks like? How many of you have ever used a pair of pliers as a hammer? Can I see your hand? That's not what it was designed for. You've probably got scars on your wall to prove that that was not the correct tool. Can I get an amen? So here's the deal. We are designed for Christ to be the center of our life. And every time that we do not live in that way, our world begins to feel a little off. And the further that he gets from the center, the more off we begin to feel. Now, I'm not sure about you, but that is exactly what my life tells me when Christ is not at the center, something just doesn't feel right. But if we can make him the center and the focus and the thing that all things are kind of filtered through, then everything begins to make sense and it begins to feel like this is what I was born for and this is why I'm here. We talk about light, and light provides safety. Light provides vision. Light provides clarity. Can you imagine trying to do something important and intricate without the lights on? No, you can't. When you hear a big sound in the backyard, what do you do? We're in Texas, so probably half of y'all grab your gun, but at least all of us go and flip on the back porch light, right? That's what we do. Why? Because we want to see what's going on and what's okay and what's not right. Right? You guys understand? So ultimately, light brings safety, vision, clarity, and then talking about that vision piece. I mean, we know what a lighthouse is meant to do and be, right? 
Whenever we can't quite find our way, we go towards that light if you're a, if you're a pilot of a ship out there on the, the hard seas. And then in salt, yes, flavor. Shelly will tell you I oversalt my food. I think she's wrong. I think it's just a Christian thing, right? I mean, I'm just trying to be like, what, like Jesus wants me to be. So it's not just the flavor, but it is also the preservation because back in those days, they didn't throw things in the icebox. They didn't throw things in the fridge. They had to find a way to preserve their food. And the way that they did it was salt. And so not only is our world lighted by, its peop- by God's people, but it is giving them a different flavor, but also preservation of this world. Can I just say something real quick? The more and more and more we look around and go, man, this world is going in the wrong direction. A big part of that is because we as Christians aren't doing our part to preserve and go against the grain. We should be going swimming upstream. And if we are not doing that, then we're not impacting the world the way that God wants us to. Now, I'm keeping on moving here pretty quick, but let's look at this next slide. And I want to share this with you. Where is Jesus in this passage? Jesus himself is the ultimate city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Not only when he comes into your life and mine, should he shine forth, but also he is the light of the world, like in the ultimate case. His legacy continues to influence every element of our world, even though it's been 2,000 years since he left this world. And he only lived for about 33 years, really only about a public ministry of three or four years total. He brought the church into existence, and even still to this day, the church is almost shorthand for a person who changes the direction and the course of their life. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever you say to someone, you're like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I haven't seen Billy around, but, you know, the problem is, is that Billy started going to church, (laughs) you know? And it's kind of like you say that and everybody's like, oh, okay, well, what Billy used to do, he doesn't do anymore. And he's going in a new direction and a new path. You guys understand what I'm saying? So that's what the church is supposed to be and supposed to do. All right, girl, come on up if you would. It is your turn. I'm going to get there in just a second, but it's going to take you a minute to, uh, um, to get situated. And I want to talk a little bit about the church being the church. And so real quickly, I want to talk about our big idea, and then I'm going to interview a couple of people, a couple of different folks, including first, Miss Donna. Uh, Yeah, right there is great. And I'll hand that off to you in just a second, that microphone. But here is the big idea for today. If you can't remember anything, remember this. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. I had put this in the don't miss this. I'm not sure I can get there. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Don't worry about it if you can't. But here's the problem for most of us. Most of us have followed the lie of the world. And that is, is that our whole point in life is to be comfortable and successful. I'm here to tell you that most people who are pursuing comfort and success are missing meaning in a huge way. Whenever we put God's values first, we are majoring on purpose and meaning. It might not mean that we make success according to the world's eyes. It might mean that we're not going to be comfortable because everything worth doing usually has a cost and a price tag. Can I get an amen? 
Worst thing in the world that y'all can do for your financial portfolio is have children. Can I get an amen on that? I'm telling you, because man, they don't do anything but cost you all of your life. And I got three kids that are out of my house and they still cost me. Love y'all, but y'all still cost me money, right? Why? Because the important things cost. They cost time. They cost talent. They cost treasure. But they are the very things that make life worth living. They are the difference between being a success and comfortable versus having a life full of purpose and meaning. It's the difference between getting ahead and making an impact. When he talks to us and says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, he didn't say, now go out there and keep comfortable and whatever you do, avoid anything that makes you uncomfortable and make sure that you're a success in the world's eyes. He doesn't say any of that stuff, does he? Why? Because most of the time, if you want to be a success in the world's eyes, you will not truly be a success. And those things will cost you those things that actually bring meaning and purpose into your life. So let's go back to the big idea. And I want to make sure that you hear this. This is not original with me. I wish it was. I believe that Rick Warren said this, but I think we also had it on our wall in the men's bathroom. So half of y'all know what I'm talking about. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. The purpose of life is not for us to cross the finish line and say, whoo, got lots of money that I've left behind that doesn't do me any good in this next life. It is instead to stand before God and say, you know what, God, I lived according to what you wanted me to do. I impacted this world in a way that points others to Christ. Huge difference. And it is so important that we not get things twisted around and think that we're a success where we're not. So the big idea, once again, on the count of three, would you guys read it with me? Ready? One, two, three. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. So I, I will say one more thing. I'm going to go to that five, um, the five pillars, if you don't mind. He's going to throw that up for me uh, eventually in just a moment. But they're right here. This is the five pillars of a great church. And this is also the five pillars of a great life. You magnify, that's worship. You member, that's belonging. You mature, that's growth. You do ministry, that's serving others, especially in the, in the body of Christ. And then you're on mission where you're going out and making an impact out there in the world. These are the five elements of a great church. And by the way, they have to be there for it to be a church. Or if your life has one or two of these but doesn't have the others, you're going to have that sense of missing something and being a little out of balance. Just like you wouldn't want this to be your house, you have to build a great life on five pillars, not on one or two or three. Now, I've talked a little bit in advance, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do a little bit of a, um, an interview. And I'm going to do an interview with uh, a couple of folks that have gone out of their way and gone way out of their comfort zone and gone to a place where their life is not about them, but it's about impacting their world and people that need an impact. So it's going to be a short time with Miss Donna and then a little longer time with my second crew because in some ways yours is one that has stayed a little static because of the fact that you did some adopting. So I'm going to grab this microphone real quick and uh, I'm going to turn it on. 
Oh boy. Uh, Let's just see what happens, all right? Okay, all right. And if you'll keep that close to your mouth. I want to share a picture that you shared with me. Thank you so much. I had asked Miss Donna because most of you know Miss Donna as the girl that has bigger arms than Pastor Randy. And I, and I don't like that. I don't think that that's fair or right. <laughs> Words can hurt. I think you should know that. But if you don't know much about Miss Donna besides for her wonderful smile, her great attitude, and uh, heavy-duty physique... Close to the Mrs. Olympia. We are this close, right? Awesome. Okay, but we'll talk about that at a different time. Don't get sidetracked, y'all. All right, so let's go to this slide here. And this is a picture of you uh, celebrating Christmas. I- I'm guessing this is probably five or six years ago, maybe long- longer than that. Um, but why don't you, you probably have seen her with Zariah on the bottom left. And you still see her every Sunday with Jada who still lives at the house. Ms. Zariah has grown and spread her wings and on her own a bit. But you probably had no idea that at home where Ms. Donna is, she has three other kids. Now, Ms. Donna, are they all adopted officially? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how that kind of came about? Um, we've got three different kids, and let's, let's talk about each one. I'm not sure that I got the girls labeled correctly, so if I screw that up, let me know, okay? But go ahead and go to our next slide here. This is Andrew, Andrew. and Andrew is 24? 26. 26 years old. Okay, very good. And then, I hope I got this right, but it's possible I, I confused the two. Let's go to these next slides. Is that Carmen? Caitlin. That's Caitlin. Okay, so I, I, I messed them up there. I got them twisted around. That is Caitlin, age 18. Okay, and then let's go to our next slide here. And that is Carmen, age 18, also as well. So how did these kids come into your life? Um, I've been doing foster care. I started out with foster care for almost like, I think 20 something years. Yeah. Yeah. So um, throughout that time, I fostered a lot of kids, especially um, intensive care children. Um, I worked in the hospital as a, on the surgical unit. So again, a lot of experience about, you know, how to manage these types of kids and deal with different um, sicknesses and illnesses and stuff like that. Yeah. So from the hospital, I decided that you know, I wanted to, you know, foster children, especially with the intensive care, because a lot of a lot of people don't like to have these kind of children because it's they said it's a lot of work, a lot of time consuming and a lot of hospitals mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, back and forth. Yeah. So but that that was my passion, you know, to help these kids that can't help themselves or pretty much like, you know, to tell you what they're feeling and you know, inside. So it lured me on to the taking care of these children. So in between that time, I fostered a lot of children that uh, was on ventilators, children that had uh, pulmonary hypertension where you have to make these medications every single day, yeah. which goes into their, you know, re- into a cassette and it goes into their heart. Yeah. You know, every day this medication has to be made on time, every time, and, you know, it's the emergency, you have to do a backup one and stuff. 
I had children that had uh, uh, cancer, um, children that had trachs. Yeah. Um, we had pretty much, you know, suction almost entirely every day. It's suctioning all the time, and sometimes if they get blocked up where they have a, like a plug in the throat, you know, that's 911, of course, because mm -hmm. if that plug is not removed from there, they could could potentially die because uh, uh, they're not getting any air in their, their airway. Um, most of my children they are, are blind, and they're nothing by mouth, which is, uh, most of them have to be fed through a, a G button in the stomach, and most of them uh, has uh, oxygen, especially two of them, Carmen and Andrew, is pretty much the worst uh, um, out, of the, out of the three. Um, they have seizures. Sometimes almost every day, Andrew can have a seizure like back-to-back -back, where we have to give him uh, what we call an emergency medication, which is called diastat, and that has to be administered like, you know, if it's longer than five minutes, if the seizure is longer than five minutes. Um, but when I decided that I want to, you know, kind of retire from the fostering and all the different types of people coming in and out of the home, um, these kids was going to be end up into a nursing home. And for, for me, I, I was like, if they go to a nursing home, they're not going to get the same type of treatment, the same type of family setting. And sometimes they might not even have a home here and they may have to go send them out of town. Uh, somewhere, you know, where they're going to get lost in the system, pretty much. So I decided that I was going to uh, adopt. Um, uh, well, Zara was the first one that I adopted. She, <laughs> she, I think when I had her, she was like 22 months old or so. Wow. Yeah. And she needed surgery as soon as I got her because uh, she had a, what we call like a cleft tongue. Uh -huh. So her, that part where you have like the lever... Uh -huh. that was like stuck in there. So she, it was hard for her to eat foods or drink out of her bottle and stuff like that. So she wasn't really like gaining uh, uh, weight or, you know, she was behind on, for her age and stuff. So I had to get her surgery, which they unclipped that. And then she was able to start eating like more solid foods and mm -hmm. stuff. And she started then striving and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so pretty much it's, I don't know, I think that this is like my calling, you know, that God has put me in this area here to take care of these kind of, these kind of children that really need us, because the doctors, especially Caitlin, for, we just, we had a Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go back to that slide where yeah. everybody's there listed, if you don't mind, uh, the one that's got Santa in there. Yeah. Um, so Caitlin is the one on which side, left or uh, right? She's on the, on the left. She's on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the one that smiling. Yeah. So Caitlin, I got her straight out of NICU um, as a baby because uh, her mom was, I think, 13 or 14, and mm. she was a she wasn't taking care of herself and also yeah. the baby. So when Caitlin was born, she had uh, severe hydrocephalus uh, with pneumonia with meningitis. I'm sorry, and <laughs> They called me about Caitlin, and they said, well, she might not uh, make it, but you can go down to the hospital, you know, and visit her and stuff. So I went to the hospital, and, you know, most of them was telling me that the doctors and stuff, like, well, pretty much just have a dress ready 
for her because she's not going to make it. Wow. So, so have I, a dress ready for her funeral. Pretty much. They had said huh. that there's nothing more that they can do, that the hydrocephalus is too severe, and uh, meningitis now on top of that, you know, is no way. When I saw her, her head was like really, really large with fluids. Yeah. And had like different tubes that they were draining the, the fluid off the brain. Mm. Uh, plus, this, she was blind from that. Um, so they were like maybe weeks or so. Yeah. So I decided that I was going to take her. And then they said, okay, well, we can discharge her home and what, you know, whatever happens, happens. And she's 18 years old today. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I think the thing that is so beautiful here and that, you know, I, I'm spending a shorter time with you than I am going to visit with Eric and Kendall. We had talked about that. Because in, in a lot of ways, what they're dealing with is something very, very different. But it's a different um, path with foster children. Mm -hmm. And you have gone down this road. They're in more of a temporary situation. You're in a permanent situation. Mm -hmm. But I've met these kids yeah. at your house. <laughs> yeah. um, they all are sweet, sweet children. And they liked me, which is, I think, a good thing, probably because they're blind. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's probably playing a role. <laughs> no, all said and done, their lives are dramatically different because you went out of your way to help them. And this is not an easy path you've chosen. This is not a path you choose for yourself. This is a path to be a blessing to other people. Right. And um, I just love the way that you said that you feel like in some ways this is your calling to make a difference and to make an impact in these kids' lives. And I will tell you, when I was serving in hospice, I did spend some time in a nursing home, and a nursing home um, can be a good place, but it is often a difficult place. And to think about these kids living their entire life, I've seen the place that they have. I've seen the fact that they have interactions with family and that they're a part of your family. It's a very, very different life with you than it would have been without you getting involved. And um, so I, I just think so much respect for what you've done. You chose a path of meaning and purpose, not because it was easy or comfortable, but because you felt like this was something that you could do to impact someone who needed that impact in their life. And that's just incredibly powerful. Um, so can we give Donna a hand? Uh, <laughs> You know, this is similar to what um, Mother Teresa used to do. So if you want to start calling her Mother Donna or St. Jones or whatever, I don't know. But um, just loving those who might not have those in their life to love them. And, and they, know that, they know that they love, even though that they can't they do. say or they can't, uh, um, you know, voice it. But whenever you call their names, they just laugh and smile and just know that. You know, I'm home. This is my mom, you know. And all the people, that are the nurses, pretty much, they've been with these kids there for years and years. So it's like, it's like a really family setting, even though that's more of a nursing, but they Absolutely. still bring that, that family, that motherly love to the kids all the time. Yes. So 
Well, thank you for making this world a better place, not just for those kids, but for our whole, our whole world. You know, like it's a blessing. Um, you're the kind of person that inspires others to not live for self, but to live for others and to make an impact. So can we give her one more hand as we, all right. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. All right. I'm going to have Eric and Kendall come on forward. Thank you. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Thank you so much. All right, guys, y'all come on up and I'm just going to kind of give a quick disclaimer here. Um, Eric and Kendall are going to share a little bit about their role in the fostering system. And if I ask a question that is off limits, y'all just tell me. It's not going to be awkward. Um, it's just going to be me going, ah, I'm sorry. You know, so y'all just let me know if I cross into grounds that are not quite legal. Um, because ultimately we're trying very, very hard to make sure that the kids are most important uh, their safety, their confidentiality, and stuff like that that's needed. But you guys have had a number of kids come and go, uh, some for, lard, uh, for long time, some for short times, and that kind of thing. And I want to begin just kind of with a few pictures here. And uh, why don't you guys uh, tell me a little bit, if you can, uh, about... I don't know. Can we use names? I think we can because these cases are closed on these particular okay. voices. And, and so, by the way, if you're watching at home, you're probably not getting these pictures um, because uh, we can't simply just put these things out and uh, those YouTube videos live forever. Warning as well as a blessing. So just uh, we want to make sure that um, uh, we're making this very safe for them. But these were your first two. These were our first two. This is Toby and Eli. If you guys may remember, this is uh, December 22nd or so, somewhere around there of 2020. Actually, a lot of people didn't get to see them because we weren't having church. We, were, oh, we started right. doing it online. Uh, and so that's when the kiddos okay. came was during COVID. Yeah. And there's a couple of other pictures here. Uh, and we're going to kind of click through these very quick. If, if I... If I could redo my life, I want to come back as Eric Teague's son because like... <laughs> I mean, talk about fun. Like, he, he does things with his kids that I just wish I could do. But, uh, you know, anyway, but there's the boys uh, doing their thing. We've got another picture here uh, riding the bicycles. Let's go to our next slide here. And, um, okay, so okay. this one was a little different. Um, you had the, uh, the other boys for a matter of months. No, those, those first two were only about six weeks. Six weeks, okay. Yep. I thought, okay. Got it. The, the end of December to beginning of February. Okay. Um, and then, so this young man is, um, well, we probably shouldn't put his name out there. Maybe I'm not, not sure, put but, his name out. But. Um, so his, his, uh, he was just with us for a few days, and he is uh, special needs, and uh, he, we were just had him on respite, which means his current foster parents were on vacation and were in Europe. So we just needed to kind of foster babysit him for a few days. And um, so he, he was just with us for a few days and uh, pretty, pretty traumatic. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a lot, of, um, a, a lot of uncertainty because uh, of the change of his environment and was really, really traumatic on him. He's severely autistic. And so he, um, he took the, the first couple of days were very hard for him mm -hmm. to get used he, to. But he then thought he, he was being kidnapped. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so then he, uh, we figured it out. We worked together. And uh, as a team, as a whole family, and, um, you know, we watched Thor, Love, and Thunder 50 times. Uh, golf because cart of rides. Eric or because of the, <laughs> the of young me. man? The other, the other child. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we figured it out. Yeah, so. 
Well, we, we and that's one babysitters. of the things that you wanted to say as well when we were kind of talking about where we would go. You really wanted to mention that this is not something that you guys do by yourselves. It's not a you thing. It's not a you thing. It's not even a you thing. It's your whole group as well, right? I mean, that's a, that's a big part of something that you guys wanted to share. Yeah, and um, it's, it's, it's our family and our kids, but also our church family, you know, chips in and helps. I mean, you gave us the bunk beds that we used to, <laughs> to sleep these kids in. People have given us furniture. They've given us car seats, you know, all of those kind of, we just kind of put the word out. Or, hey, does anybody have one of these, you know, that we could have? And, and then a Britax car seat shows up. So, um, you know, the, definitely the community is, is helping, and it's certainly not us, not ours. Well, and when we get, when you usually get placements, it's, um, they're removed very quickly and most of them don't come with anything. So that's when we kind of just shoot out to our friends and family, the village and, um, and say, Hey, does anyone have anything in this size or yeah. So diapers takes takes a big time. Yeah. They come at two in the morning, having been removed with nothing but the clothes on their back. Yeah. And a lot of the time they're removed for what reasons? Well, it's, it's almost always neglect or abuse. It's, it's, you know, all kids in foster care are victims of something. Um, the ones we've had have been just neglect and... And trauma know, as well. And trauma, yes. And neglect and trauma, but not necessarily physical that I can recall, but um, just neglect, not providing the needs for the kids, not providing them clothes and education and doctor's appointments. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, the two we have now, they were picked up by police at two o'clock in the morning running around the city. So, you know, outside on the streets. So um, that's crazy. A variety of reasons. Yeah. And you, we were talking about placements and stuff like that. This is your second, uh, then you had a third placement. I think Uh, we, we might've gotten those out of order a little bit, but this is Cody and we had Cody for six months and you guys may remember him. He's would run around full of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was five, turned six with us, and we had him for six months. He's back home with his dad. Yeah, we got some other pictures of Cody as well, Just uh, which I want to point out, he could have been the fourth C in the uh, Teague family. You know, there's, there's Chris, there's Caleb, there's Corbin. There could have been Cody, but, yeah. uh, you know, he just fit right in. He even had the right num- uh, name to start off with as well. Okay, and there's Cody being eaten by a hippopotamus, so pray for him. <laughs> All right, so let's go to our next slide. And these uh, wonderful kids. So uh, these are the two we have now, and you guys know them. They're in the kids' room right now. Adorable. And uh, so came at two and three. Now they're three and four. And they've been with us nine months and will be with us a few more months, God willing, until they're adopted permanently. So um, we, we, uh, you know, we... I guess we'll get into this a little bit, but we, we don't have yeah. that pull to grow our family through adoption. Yeah. We have a pull to help kids through a difficult time in their life. I, I want to just stop right there. What Donna does is incredibly different. She adopted three for life. These folks are helping but they don't necessarily want to adopt for life, but they want to step in in moments of crisis. You see? Now, which one is more important? There is no more important. Which one's more important to that kid in that moment? Like, where am I going to live for the rest of my life? That's an important moment for them to know. Where am I going to live for today? That's an important moment. And I just am very, very proud of this church family and the members of it that are being the church outside the walls of a church. A church is not 
this building. It's not even just a collection of these people. It is God's believers out there making an impact, being salt, being light. And I think that part of the question is, like, how did we get here? Why did you decide to do this, you guys? Like, because this is not, this is not the path for comfort and success, okay? So when we were just talking about, this is difficult stuff, even what we were dealing with with the, the respite. That was hard. I know that was like, that cost you some replacement things. Like you're like, we got to buy a new one of these because it got destroyed while he was trying to get comfortable. It was just crazy. And on and on and down the line. But why did you guys step out of the comfort zone and go to this place? Why did y'all do that? Well, God appeared in a burning bush. Yes, absolutely. Us. That's no. right. <laughs> That's no, a joke. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. Why don't you... Um, yeah, so um, I just have a passion for um, teaching kiddos, little kids. Um, it comes very natural to me. I enjoy it. I don't consider it work at all. Um, it's something I love. And um, when I met Eric, he had a huge family, and there were a lot of kids in the house. And uh, we take it. Talk about <laughs> your comfort zone. Well, Ken- Kendall has a unique ability. Yeah to communicate with young children. I call her the toddler whisperer. Like, (laughs) a kid can be totally rambunctious, off the walls, and I have no clue what to do, and I cannot get control after failed attempt and failed attempt, and she peeks her head in the door and says about four words, and everything's under control. And so she has a unique ability to do that, and I've known that since since we've met, you know, and so... um, I happen to like kids too. I mean, we, we just enjoy children. I mean, children are a blessing, always a blessing, no matter how rambunctious they are. Children are always a blessing or whatever life situation you're in, they're a blessing. And so that's how I was raised. And so whenever, you know, she kind of, I guess there's, there's a few more details like, um, you know, she looked into um, fostering in the beginning, had this desire, saw yeah, the movie. Um, you know, I come from the, um, like the private daycare setting. And um, I met some foster parents, and I've, I watched a number of families adopt and start coming to our school. Um, and it just seemed like, hey, that, I think we should do that. At some point, that needs to be a step in our life. Mm-hmm. And so as our kids got older, um, we talked about it and decided that it would be best for our youngest to be older than any placements we get, um, just so they can, we can all help, and everyone still has their place in the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kind of went from there. We waited a couple years. We knew it was the plan. Well, she's really good at kids, and I'm do, really good at doing what she tells me to. So <laughs> she said, we're going to sign up for classes. And I said, I mean, I happen to love kids, and I know that we have a capacity to, to do more than we're currently doing. Um, and I think some of that is because of the way I was raised, like my parents, they would not be caught being entertained by a whole movie in a row. Like that's a waste of time. It's not productive. Entertainment is a waste of what God gave you to do. Hmm. And that's vastly different from the world we live in today. Right. It's true. And so not that we never watched a movie, but it was like family movie night, bonding time, whatever. But, uh, to sit and be entertained is a waste of 
what God gave you. And that's kind of how I was raised, and I watched my mom live that way. Like, even I would go watch a movie, and I'm like, Mom, you got to watch this movie. It's awesome. I sit down, I hit play, and she'll watch five minutes, and then something more important <laughs> would happen, and she'd have to get up and go take care of that, you know, especially because she had six kids herself. But yeah. so whenever, you know, even though we have three kids in a house built for exactly three kids, there's capacity there. Like, yeah. I, we never had a, our own bedroom growing up, so to have my own kids have their own bedroom, it's kind of weird. Like, you don't need that much privacy, right? So we combined some of the kids and made room, and so we have capacity to take care of more, to do more than, than okay, maybe we should do that. And that was my approach. It was like, okay, maybe. Like, we'll see. Let's go ahead and sign up, and we'll see what happens. And so it was never this, I want to be at this end goal. It was... I think we can move in that direction. I'm willing to give it a step and see what happens. Hmm. And that's kind of what, where we progressed for me. It was never, you know, we, I want to get to the end and do this. Yeah. It's, and, and that's kind of the way God works, right? Yes. He showed, he's like, hey, I want you to move in this direction. Take this step. And he doesn't unveil what's next. And it's been that way for us, especially with this last case. Hmm. A day at a time, like, what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't really know. So it's kind of been building our faith. Like, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long we're going to have the kids. One day we're told we're going to have them for four more months. Literally two more days later, they say we're taking them in four days. And so we still have them. So it's like mm -hmm. literally we don't know what tomorrow holds for these kids, but it's not really our job. You yeah. know, we don't feel like that's our job. Your job is making an impact for the moment yeah. that you have. And y'all yeah, are doing the time that. that we have. Uh, and Kendall also got a girl, uh, which is, uh, you know, a big deal. <laughs> that's, that's important. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to bring this to a close because I know our time has gone uh, and, uh, and we've, we've taken the time. But we're going to bring this to a close real quickly with this. You said to me when we were talking about what we would talk about, where we would visit, what conversation would be, you said something that was very powerful. And this upsets our apple cart a, a little bit in our world. We think if, if we never have a problem, we, if we got it all figured out and everything's running smooth and like clockwork, then that's good. But you said to me something that really touched me. You said, kids need a house that's full of love and chaos. And I love that. I thought that was incredible. Now, what do you mean that kids need a house that's full of love and chaos? Yeah, so it's, um, what I meant was, uh, you know, we want any child coming into our house to feel comfortable. Um, we want them to laugh and feel loved. We roll on the floor, we wrestle, we do puzzles, we toss balls in the house. <laughs> I know that is shocking. And it, I made a point, um, you know, when I was dating Eric, his, him and his brother were throwing a ball in the house. Blew my mind. <laughs> and I said, that's the kind of house I want. That's okay. Um, it's okay to run to different football games and, and drop off one kid first. And, and there's, it's controlled and it's scheduled, but it's okay to have the ups and downs. And mm -hmm. we're just trying to show them how to thrive in those changes, but feel loved and they can be themselves. Um. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think um, as we bring this to a close, as we kind of come to an end, 
I just wanted to show you and share with you guys, it's people just like you. People that are sitting next to you that are having impacts in this world. They're being salt of the earth. They're being lights of the world. It's not some individual way far away. It's not some mission field, you know, halfway across the, the, the world. It's making a difference and an impact here. And this is important. This is the church being the church. It's the church realizing that the purpose of life is not comfort and ease and success. It's the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. And I think that's what's more important. And I want to share that with you so we can begin to reorder into something that is more honoring and more accurate to what God would have us to do. So God, as we come to an end of our service together, I pray that this would have been an encouragement and a challenge to think about what capacity we have and to look around at the needs that are around in this world and who is not being served or loved or taken care of. And in the process that we as your children would be your hands extended to be the blessing that we need to be. God, we love you. We want to honor you. We want to be small lights who follow the light of the world. And uh, I pray that you would help us to do that very thing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so real quickly, can we give Eric and Kendall a hand? Thank you guys so much. Thank you all for sharing our time together. And uh, maybe we'll have them back and share even more on a different time. But guys, I'm gonna go ahead and dismiss you. Uh, We have another church. Uh, coming in to use this church building. So greet them as they come in. Welcome them. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ and be a blessing wherever you go this week. And guys, we're going to end the way that we always do. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week.